0: I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes life just causes us to take a deep breath, to sigh. I know in my own life when I became so overwhelmed by death itself, I was so um, exhausted, so tired, so uh, spent, so out of gas, that all I could do is take a deep breath and say yes to Jesus Christ. When you're a pagan, uh, you find no rest. But Christ offers rest. Would you pray with me? Lord, we ask that this morning you would instruct and teach us in the way we should go. We ask that you would counsel us with your eye upon us. Open the eyes of our hearts to the hope of your calling, to the riches of your inheritance, to the power of your might. May we see that you have called us first to rest and work. It works a lot better that way. We've been trained so differently that it's going to take something for each of us to turn that around but hopefully this morning will be a beginning in that direction we pray this in Jesus name Amen well we live in a pretty chaotic world we live in a world that is filled with unrest is there a place that rest could be found beside a pillow (laughs) the rest that I want to talk to you about this morning is a biblical rest and the only place that I believe with all of my heart that you will find it is in the voice of the one who penned these words. Come to me, Matthew 11:28. I'm going to sing this song to you, and uh, you can hum along uh, or sing it with me or um, just kind of tuck it away because at the end of the message we will sing this together. The uh, tune was put together by John Michael Talbot. This is where I go when I need rest. Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke and learn of me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm meek and humble in heart. Indeed, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is so weak. That's why I say, come to me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke and learn of me. The spirit and the bride, they say, come. Let him who hears say the same. Let him drink of the well of life, of life without charge. Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke and learn of me. Those came out of uh, Matthew 11:28, But I want to tell you the rest of the story. The rest of the story out of Matthew 11:28 28 is the story of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, in the first part of the chapter, says something like, are you the one to come? In fact, he's in prison, and one of the disciples is kind of a roadrunner. <laughs> are you the one to come? He's asking the disciple to ask Jesus. Or is there someone after you? That sounds like a bizarre question, because John the Baptist was the one that called Jesus the Lamb of God. John the Baptist is the one that said, My life must decrease so that yours would increase. Downward mobility for John the Baptist. And here at the end of his life, he's about to have his head cut off for entertainment. Every Christian needs to ask this question Are you the one, Lord, or is there one to come? Have I been a fool? Says John the Baptist, have I been a fool to take all of my time, all of my treasure, all of my talent and give it to you and you're not the one? So Jesus follows up and he says, well, the blind see, the lame walk, uh, the poor, they hear the gospel. Lives are being changed and transformed. So Matthew eleven twenty eight unfolds then, Matthew 11 unfolds and uh, Jesus is honoring John the Baptist. And in contrast he takes what's called a wicked and a perverted generation that hears all this but does not respond but John did. And the reason he's not name-calling oh you wicked perverse people you're all going to hell. He isn't saying that because God doesn't send anybody to hell but he's simply saying I wish that you would have the rest that John has And that's where he says, come to me. all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke, my burden upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and meek and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul. Did you know that's what you're looking for? You and I live in a chaotic world, totally chaotic. Is there rest? Can rest be found? Where do you find rest? Ever heard the statement "Life is a marathon, not a sprint"? Isn't that comforting? <laughs> Have you ever run a marathon? Anybody? Marathon? Wow! Anybody run the Boulder Boulder? Any Boulder Boulder people out there? Okay. The very first time I ran the Boulder Boulder, I ran it with Lucille Zimmerman. I don't see her today. I'm going to speak to her. Uh, I thought, "Oh, I'm going to. I've been practicing. I've been running." I'm going to run and I'm going to beat everybody. I'm going to win. I'll have my picture in the paper. And so the gun goes up, boom, I go bolting out. I did the first two miles at a rate of eight minute mile. It's pretty doggone good for a guy with white hair. And then I realized there were 4.2 miles left. <laughs> so actually, Lucille carried me the last 4.2 miles. <laughs> You know, life is like a marathon, though, because sometimes our marriages feel that way, don't they? Sometimes our jobs, I understand that 67% of the people today that are employed hate their jobs. And they just want to give up and they want to quit. They're just cranking it out so that they can get that retirement check and Social Security that won't exist in another 10 years. (laughs) Um... It feels like a marathon, our finances, the harder we work. I was talking to a guy, he said, I, I'm working so hard he installed a broken window for us and the behinder I get. It, it, life is cruel, life is so beats us up to the point where we don't even want to go on. We just throw our hands in the air. Sometimes, as a really conscientious Christian, we have a sin that's habitual. It keeps coming back at us. We keep doing it. And finally, we say, I just give up. I'll never, ever conquer this. Yes, you won't in your own strength. Or the other uh, mentality is that we burn out. Those that are German, how many are German here today? Today. Uh, We have learned German work ethic, and maybe you did too. I was raised by a mother and father that were born and raised in Germany, and in the morning, my mother would scream in my ear at the six years old. She would say, Aufstein! Which means, get up! (laughs) Six? Yeah, you got stuff to do. And so we work, and we work, and we work, and we work. And so when things go a little south and things, it's like juggling all the, you know, the Ed Sullivan show, you're juggling the little plates, you're trying to bounce all the balls, you just work harder. It's like taking a marathon after 13.1 miles, you say, I'm going to sprint the last 13.1. That's what we do spiritually. It'll kill you. You'll either get beat up or you'll burn out. Believe me, I've had both happen to me. Is there a way through all this? I believe there is. The text for this morning is Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Listen carefully, because this is pretty interesting. It's very counterculture. Read with me, if you would, please. Maybe even stand. Stand and read this. This is pretty good stuff, and I don't want you to miss any of it. It's just a short bit of scripture, but... Are you ready? I really want to hear you. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing so that on the seventh day he rested from all of his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work creating that he had done and uh, please have a seat. I couldn't read the last words. You did it better than I did. So, what is this word called rest? What am I talking about? Is it, uh, you know, taking somonex? Um The word rest, biblically, in the Hebrew, is all about r- living in the finished work of God there's a radical thought living my day every day every moment of every day in the work that God has already done now let me paint the uh, context for this it's quite amazing uh, the Hebrew it, it gives great insight into this so I'm gonna go through all six days in about five minutes <laughs> in the beginning Barashit bara elohim. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is to say, in contrast to all the gods that ever existed, in the Old Testament, it was the Sumerian gods. They were no different than the Greek Roman gods. No different than the gods of our culture today. All of them are impotent. All of them rotate around fear. Uh, They rotate around... They are finite gods they have epic battles they are constantly fighting and battling trying to get control isn't that the way your culture tells you to live and out of that comes great anger and out of that comes great despair and finally we find ourselves on a perpetual rat race that's life Sumerian gods Greek Roman gods our culture gods today if that's what you want God says You'd be foolish to settle for that. Interject the God of the scripture. Barashit bara Elohim. That is to say, this God existed. He created the beginning, and he exists before the beginning. When your children ask you, who created God? Nobody, or he wouldn't be God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he is outside of time and space. This God then created the heavens and the earth, and there was darkness and it was formless, right? We know the story. And the Spirit of God hovered over it all. And God spoke. This is Hebrew poetry, by the way. God spoke. Let there be light. If we could turn this place totally black, you'd be lost. And that's the way it was, Darkness and in that God speaks now watch the Hebrew poetry it's in colas not coca-cola but colas (laughs) I don't know a lot of Hebrew but it's pretty cool the way this works out let there be light and there was light right God speaks creation responds it's a dance it's a love dance it's a love it's a love relationship between God and his creation God affirms and uh, 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 creation is harmonious with it. Evening and morning. First day, let there be light. and He separates the light from the darkness. Second day, he says, let the waters be separate from the waters. So the waters are the sky and the other waters are the sea. Same poetic unfolding. Third day, He gathers the water to himself and what remains is the dry land, like a shepherd. (laughs) Third day. But the Hebrew and the kolas leave it kind of hanging. It's sort of a, it's setting a stage for something dramatic about to happen. Fourth day, there is the greater light and the lesser light. That would be the moon and the sun. The fourth day and the first day go together. The fifth day, we have the same Hebrew unfolding. And uh, the fifth day, uh, we have the fish, because they go with the sea. And we have the birds, which go with the sky. And the sixth day, what we have is something amazing, and the culmination of the sixth day is man. But we we have the creatures of the earth, and everything after its own kind, everything after its own kind. And then he says, and let us, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image, imago Dei. In the image of God, he created them male and female. Two different words. The word for male is like Soccer, only it's zocker. <laughs> and it basically is all about man and the way he's created by God to have an adventure. And the female, this is a beautiful word, it's called nakiba. And it's like a jeweler making a beautiful piece of jewelry. And a woman needs, her core is beauty. For the last two months now, I have been saying to my wife, you are beautiful. What if we did that as husbands to our wives? Do you think that help, ladies? Would you appreciate that? No one's raising their hand. I guess it doesn't matter to them. Oh, okay. Um, it's at the core of what a woman is. There, there are two aspects to the imago dei, and Todd will cover this, I'm sure, when he comes back. But there is freedom, i.e., we are created by God to achieve and to do things freely choose etc we have our own identity that's terrific we are adventurous man and woman male and female are co-reflectors of God there's no an inferior part here totally co and the other aspect of it is sexuality boy has our world offered us a crock if you were to understand how God created us with freedom and sexuality you would be upset with the world in which you live Because we have bought into a big lie. Well, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm getting on with you being the ultimate, the top of the heap. At the end of the sixth day, you're the head enchilada. I mean, you're the culmination of all the work God has done. Man. Now... (coughs) This is living in the work that God has already done. That's what rest is, biblical rest. Sabbath, Shabbat, Sabat. Well, how is, uh, uh, how, do we, how is this done? How, how do we get this done? The way this is done as we move, because we live in a world, a culture has taught us to be fearful. This is the process through trial and error of moving from a world in which we live as believer or non-believer in a world filled with fear, chaos, restlessness. Our our whole culture thrives on restlessness. God says, I offer you rest. Learn from me. So it's a process of moving from fear to love. Let's say uh, you uh, ran out of gas in the middle of the desert of Arizona. It was 120 degrees and it's 40 miles to the nearest gas station. And lo and behold, your very best friend comes along. I mean, your best friend stops and says, need a lift? Well, what would you do? What would you do? Say, no, I think I'll walk. Nice day. Would you do that? I mean, that's what most of us are doing with God. God is that best friend. He comes along... And he says, you are out of gas. You're spinning your wheels and you haven't got anything left. And don't even put on the facade or veneer. Just be honest with me. Please, says God, need a lift? I'll help you. I'll help you to move from fear to love. Maybe, uh, maybe alcohol is your thing. You're just going to find comfort in the booze or in pornography, or a million things, and all they do is eat you up and spit you out the other end, and you're wondering why you're miserable. Well, life isn't found there, that's why. It's a pretty simple answer. Let me focus you now on the character of God. That is to say, really, how is this done? Yeah, move from fear to love, that sounds pretty good. But here's my little acrostic, <laughs> me in acrostics. uh, Moving from fear to love means that you begin to embrace the character of God. Whereas the gods of this world are limited and they're finite, the God of the Bible that I just spoke about, the Barashit, Barah Alohim, is limitless. No time, no space limits him. Who created God? He existed before creation, he created everything, he breathed into creation all that he is. If that's not enough, I guess do your own thing. The O on the acrostic, and we, 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 we begin to embrace this, we begin to learn this, we begin through trial and error to discover this. God is overall, overall, God is weaving a tapestry from his perspective in the heavenlies. That is so beautiful. All we see are the loose ends. That's it. But we see something. Excuse me for spitting. 1 <laughs> Corinthians says we see in a mirror dimly. I disagree with people that say that we cannot have any absolutes. Some would say, oh, it's kind of a blind leap. Or some would say we're not quite sure how we get there. I mean, faith. I'm saying we don't know a lot, but we can do the absolute love of God. He's made that clear through the person of Christ. Christ's work on the cross is finished. Tetelestai, it's done. Got a better idea? That's as good as God will demonstrate love. So God is overall. You bring your marriage, you bring your job, you bring your hassles, you bring your homework from school, <laughs> you bring that nasty teacher, you bring those nasty kids at school. Guess what? God's at work. And all he asks us to do is rest in him. Because v he is vulnerable. The word Elohim. The, the word is, is uh, chet. I'm glad you're uh, okay in the front row. <laughs> it, it is God breathing. How did God create? He breathed. He breathed into everything. That's how he does it. And he breathes into you the breath of life. That's who he is. And he is vulnerable, which means that he is uh, eager to help. He's not remote. He's not aloof. He's not distant. You don't have to appease him. You don't have to throw him a couple of crumbs. <laughs> he loves you, period. End of story. God is eager to help. Do you really believe that? Because if you don't believe that, then you're on your own, really. If he can part the waters from Moses, and he did, if he can uh, express himself through a burning bush, we see all these rich stories. That with Gideon, Elijah, ah. If he can raise Christ from the dead, then so much more is he eager to help you. That's the whole message of the gospel. It's so simple, childlike. Well, there it is. That's how we move from fear to love. And so I'm going to give you a practical application of it all uh, here. How does this work out in real life? (laughs) This is pretty counterculture. By the way, I haven't learned this yet. So I know this is true. And I know I need this. But I, I really don't, you know, have this down pat. I'm a rookie at this myself. But I'm telling you this is true. And I'm going to start doing this. Rest first, then work. Man's first day, the sixth day is man's, uh, is the sixth day a man was created, and his first day is the seventh day, which is? Rest. Evening and morning. That's repeated through the entire six days of creation. You go to Israel and the day starts when? Huh? When? At night. The beginning of the day is at night. So man is supposed to rest in the finished work of God. What do you what do you do at the first thing of the day? Sleep. Rest. Now, I'll tell you what most uh, of us do. Here's here's the typical American or high school kid, college kid uh, venue. You get up in the morning, drink coffee, right? I bought some coffee from Women at Risk. It's actually a very potent coffee. It is weasel poop. It is, $38 for uh, a weasel poop, but does it have the caffeine? Whoop! Yeah, so if you want to come on over, I'll treat you. Maybe the coffee bar will have it next week. Just ask for weasel poop. It's expensive though, it's going to be more than a buck. So you start with coffee, and then after the coffee, uh, you run out the door because you don't uh, didn't have time for breakfast, right? So you're, you're there and suddenly you're hitting the books or you're at your job and you got your list of stuff to do and it's 10 o'clock and you're, oh, you're way ahead of schedule. No, you're way behind. And so you're uh, spinning faster. And by the time you unspin, it's time for lunch. You have a big lunch because you're really stressed. And so at 2 in the afternoon, your head nods off onto, the <laughs> onto your table and so you're down a couple of Red Bulls And then suddenly you're flying again, but you're not productive. So you go home, and you find that there's a list of things to do at home. So you're depressed, and you turn on the news, and that's even worse. So then you eat, and then you think, I'm I'm going to really get this stuff done tonight before I go to bed. And that is so overwhelming that you uh, hit the refrigerator at 9, 9.30, get a half gallon of ice cream, moose tracks, and then you get some Lay's potato chips and you eat that and then it's 12.30 at night and you can't sleep because you have all this stuff in your stomach. <laughs> Am I that far off? You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> that isn't the way God intended life to be. He intended that we rest. Not just lay down on a pillow, but rest in him. his message there's only one place that peace is found and that's in him so here's a a little practical working of it pray pray at night first Lord (laughs) these are all my anxieties these are the things I'm stressing about these are the things that are tearing me apart my family my job my finances my child that's in Afghanistan. All these things are so horrific. They're just way down. But I'm saying, Lord, you told me not to worry. <laughs> and so I take them and you are saying that to rest means that I let go and I give these to you. They may create fear within me so much so that I can't even sleep and now I have insomnia. You don't want that. You want me to rest physically, emotionally and spiritually. So... I am trusting in the character of God and I give them to you. I'm turning them over to you. Don't do that right before you go to bed. Just, you know, maybe talk with your wife or read a book or something and go to bed. In the morning then. See, when you're sleeping, God's working. That's the beginning of the day. Are you you following this? Then, at night. At night, uh, that's at night, but in the morning, that's, When you get up, and hopefully you've gotten some rest, and you've decided not to do that other venue, (laughs) because it's so counterproductive. By the way, I'm a night snacker, and I'm getting over it. Uh, I'm going to start an organization called Night Snackers Anonymous. And if you'd like to join, uh, we will call each other at night, and we'll pray for one another. (laughs) Because when I told you the story, that's what I do often. But I haven't been doing that as much, because I'm learning how to rest. And then in the morning, I say, "Let me join you. You're at work, Lord. You're at work for six days. You're at work in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Let me join you today. Rather than me uh, cranking out my agenda, how about us? How about me cooperating with you? Show me. If that means changing a schedule and meeting somebody I'm not wasn't planning on, if that means that." There's some clinkers thrown our way. Pray for my wife; she has uh, some real back issues. I do a sermon on Sunday, and it's about rest. And uh, she, uh, between the two of us, we were in the emergency room more than most others did. this week. I sold my trailer, and uh, the lady wanted me to change the tire, so I did. But in the process, I stood up and put a big gash in my head. So I've got. I went to the VA <laughs> this week, and I have staples in my head, and they match my white hair, so you, you wouldn't notice them. But that's what happens when you decide to do a sermon on rest. God is going to try to unnerve that. But his word is true. I would like for you then, I mean, this is radical, so it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to be a retraining, but this is what God wants for you. Would you stand? We're going to sing this song in closing. Uh, Come to me. That's what Jesus offers you, rest. So if you don't know the tune, hum, but at least follow the words. Again, these were the words uh, that that are offered as encouragement. God's Holy Spirit would want for you to rest in him. Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke and learn of me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm meek and humble in heart. Indeed, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is so weak. That's why I say, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke and learn of me. The spirit and the bride, they say, come, let him who hears say the same. Let him drink of the well, of life, of life without charge. Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke and learn of me. Lord, I don't know how you could make it more simple. We are so complicated. We are so stressed. We are always so busy. We never have time to stop and listen. We ask that that would change in each of our hearts this morning, that we would rest first. Show us how to do that, please. Only you can. Just let us rest in you we so deeply need that so many people here this morning are so tired they're just so stressed so worn out so beat up so burned out Lord uh, you don't want them that way that, you didn't design them to be that way you designed them to rest in you so let it be that way that's our decision if you are here this morning and you've never invited Christ into your life And you would want his rest. He's eager to come in. He's a gentleman. He will not barge his way in. He simply says. If you come to me. uh, We'll be a team. If you've never invited Christ into your life. Would you in the quiet of your heart. I'm not asking you to raise a hand. Or do anything other than in the quiet of your heart. Silently say these words in your heart to God. Lord Jesus I need you. I ask you to come into my heart and my life. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to fill me. I ask you, Lord, to give me your rest. That's experiential and it's supernatural, but it's direct from you. And I thank you that that's what you are eager to do. Lord, let me rest in your character and your goodness and your mercy. And now may... The grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and the goodness and mercy of God be with you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, his sweet smile, and send you in his peace, now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. Come back next week and bring a friend.